Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Uh, if you're newer to us, I'm going to give you a quick uh, breakdown of what we've talked about so far. James is a book of the Bible in the New Testament written by a guy named Teddy. And he, I'm just kidding. It wasn't. I just really wanted to see if you were tracking with me or not. Teddy did not write the book of James. Uh, his name was James. And actually, we call it a book, but it really was a letter. And it was a letter written by James. James, the half-brother of Jesus. At what point, he would become the leader and the head of the church in Jerusalem. And he wrote this letter to Christians. Now, in a moment, I'm going to help you understand, although he wrote it to Christians, how it's really uh, anyone can learn from it. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, uh, this book, this letter, this moment, this morning is for you. And there are a lot of themes in the book of James, but one of the big ones is this idea that James begins to paint this picture of when you follow Jesus, it's meant to be a life that's whole. And by whole, I mean that my life, what I believe and what I say is exactly the same way I live. That there's no fracture. There's no difference between, hey, this is what I believe. This is what I say about my life. And no, this is actually how I live my life. So with understanding of that, let's turn to James chapter 2 with me. And if you've got your Bibles, man, bust them out. Let's open them. Go open up your phone. Uh, go to James chapter 2. And I want to encourage you throughout this series this month, um, man, read your Read James throughout the week because God just doesn't want to speak to you now, just in this moment. He does, but not just to this moment because he's not isolated to just a Sunday. He wants to speak to you personally about what you read. So I want to encourage you to do that. Also check out our YouTube page uh, because we're posting additional like content online that we couldn't get into our messages. So check out our YouTube page for more stuff on James. So here we go, James chapter 2, and we're going to pick up in verse 14. And so what we're going to look at here is James is going to begin to talk about the relationship of of what we believe and how we live our life. James is going to call it faith and works. Some translations will say faith and deeds. He, he answers this question, if I believe, if I have faith in God, does it really matter how I live my life then? And James is going to respond, yes, that there is a relationship, there is a connection, and he's going to paint this picture, he's going to make an argument that how I, what faith I have is directly connected to the deeds or the works of my life. So here we go in James chapter 2, verse 14. And what we're going to do is we're going to read a couple verses, then we're going to talk about it. Then we're going to read a couple verses, and we're going to talk about it, and we'll read a couple verses. Because he's going to methodically begin to break down what it looks like to have faith and works. Faith and deeds. Here we go. James chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, that what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. He begins to talk about it. He helps us understand these first few verses, how to take the pulse of your faith. 
Like, you ever seen someone, like, pass out before? I'm going to be honest with you. Like, one of my favorite things, if I really want to do nothing, like, in a moment, I just want to kill some brain cells, I go on YouTube and I look at generally one or two types of videos, uh, golf club reviews and uh, fail videos. That's what I love. I love me some fail army, man. There's nothing like seeing one get scared or getting hit in the head randomly or some Amazon truck driver running after his car because he got out and didn't put it in park. There's just something about that. But one of my favorite kind of fail videos is when somebody passes out on these like slingshot rides. I don't know if you've ever seen these types of videos. I love watching them. There's like two people, and they're next to each other, and there's always a camera that's looking at them, and they get launched. I guess it's this really intense ride, and it never fails. It's always this like big old yoke dude, right? And his girlfriend is really delicate next to him, and then they like, get shot off, and all of a sudden the girl, she's like, ah, 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 and the guy just passes out. He's like, oh. And then the, and then the whole ride, he's like, ah, and then he'll wake up and be like, ah, ah, like this. It's so funny. But like, I'll just be in my bed and Gabby like, just hears somebody randomly screaming on my phone. She's like, what are you watching? I'm like, this dude just passed out. It was hilarious, man. But what happens when somebody passes out? You're like, are they alive? Are they dead? Are they okay? What do you do? You check a pulse, right? Like, I need some sort of sign. Something that lets me know they're okay or someone call 911. And so what James is saying here, he's talking about two different types of faith. He's saying you can have a dead faith or you can have a living faith. And he said, the way you check the pulse of whether or not the faith that I am living with is alive or dead is if my faith is producing works or deeds in my life. Now, in a moment, later on, I'll talk and qualify what it means when we say works and deeds because James talks about it later on. Right now, we're just triaging your faith. Like we're checking the pulse of your faith right now. Is your faith a live faith or is it a dead faith? Because if it's a living faith, the pulse says, oh yeah, it's producing good works in my life. Now, he does not say that the good works brings life to my faith. That's not what he's saying. As if my life is dependent on what I do. And if I do enough good things and if I act a certain way and I keep all the rules, then automatically I have a faith that comes alive. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, but when your faith is alive and it's living, and it's active, it automatically will produce good works, good deeds in your life. You know, he's not the only one that talks about this type of faith. Paul, he's another heavy hitter in the New Testament. Paul, if you don't know a lot about the Bible, Paul was this, uh, you know, he was a guy who had a horrible past, and, uh, but he met Jesus, and his story says that no matter what you've done in your past, the moment you meet Jesus, man, your life can completely change. And Paul begins to talk about uh, this same type of faith. And here he goes in, in Ephesians chapter 2, and you don't have to turn there because I want you to stay in James, but Paul begins to talk about James chapter 2, verse 8. He says this, he says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So Paul says, check this out. He says, look, this gift from God, this salvation, this this saving from being disconnected from God, from being forgiven of your sins, from having an eternity to know you'll spend in heaven with God, this, this salvation, this way to live, this becoming new, this life that you were meant to live in the first place, that life is a gift of grace. Like you couldn't earn it, you couldn't obtain it, Uh, You couldn't follow enough rules to grab it. You didn't deserve it. It was given to you because God loved you when he sent Jesus Christ on the cross. And when Jesus died and he rose again, now it is this gift. It is this thing that God gives you. He says, here it is. This is a new life. This is a new way to live. This is something different. This is freedom. This is what you were created for. But Paul says you obtain it. It's grace, but through faith. 
This word faith in the Greek, what it talks about, it's this faith. It's not just a surface level belief. It's I faith. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus, that he was real, that he was the son of God. And the only way to salvation, the only way for eternal life is to believe and to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And when I obtain that, when I have that faith, I'm saved. I obtain this gift. This is a different kind of faith. It's a saving type of faith. And this is what James is talking about. He's talking about a saving faith. So we could say it like this. Uh, faith alone saves. Works doesn't save you. Uh, being good enough doesn't save you. Uh, having more good than bad in your life doesn't save you. Faith alone saves. But saving faith is never alone. It always has works attached to it. We're triaging your faith right now. Where are you at? Because faith alone saves. I don't have to, I can't earn it. Actually, the Bible says that while I was at my worst, actually God died, for, Jesus died for me. But saving faith is never alone. It always has attached to it good works, good deeds. Paul, he, he again, just to, to make sure we understand that some of the biggest players in the New Testament were on the same page. He continues in Ephesians chapter 2 and 10. He says this, he says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul says you're saved by grace, but man, you're saved now to, to allow your life to produce something different. So this saving, living, genuine faith is supposed to change the way I live my life. It's supposed to change the way I believe, how I treat people, how I handle my finances, how I handle my marriage. It's supposed to change. And James says, Paul's check, if your faith isn't producing something different in your life, it's dead. Now, if it's dead, you're not a bad person, okay? But what it does mean is it simply means that your faith is lacking a living and dynamic quality it is meant to have. And if you're checking the pulse right now, you're like, somebody called 911 on my faith. It's like this right now. I've got hope for you because there's more for your faith. Your faith wasn't supposed to be alone and isolated. It wasn't supposed to be dormant. It wasn't supposed to be producing nothing in your life. No, there is something about your faith. And the beautiful thing is you're here. You're with us online or you're in this room and you are with somebody, a God, who has the experience and does his best about bringing dead things back to life. So there's hope if my faith is dead. I can't bring it back to life. I don't know how to, but I can bring it to the one who brings dead things back to life and he can breathe life back into my faith. Right? Man, is my faith supposed to change the way I live my life? Yes, it's supposed to. Now he goes on and says this. He says, but someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. He says, well, show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? He's not the most PC guy in the world. You know what I mean? It's like straight up like, fool, what's wrong with you? Get all Mr. T on him and stuff. He's responding to what seems to be a common response to this idea from the church. That some people are saying, oh, no, you understand, like I'm a faith person. Like I believe and I pray. And, and that's what I do. 
And then you let the other people do the serving and the works and all that stuff. And they start to try to be this thing. And then the people who are doing the works, like, yeah, yeah, I do, we do the outreach project and stuff. Let those people just pray. And there's like almost like a looking down on each type of group. And James is really saying, he's like, hey, can we not separate what was meant to be together? Because there's just some things in life that are just meant to be together. They're destined, right? Like peanut butter and jelly, all right? Meant to be together. I don't want a peanut butter sandwich. I don't want a jelly sandwich. I want a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Okay? Right? Jim and Pam from the office, like, destined to be together. I know it's like a niche joke, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> Cookies and milk. Batman and Robin. Topper's pizza and ranch dressing. I mean, it's just, there we go. All right. I got you now. All right. We're from Ventura. We know what we're talking about. If you're online, you have no idea what that is. We feel sorry for you, but something. <laughs> Come get some top. But there are just some things that are meant to be together. So James is saying, can we not separate faith and deeds? Like it's this person and that person or this role and that role. He's like, no, they're, they're together. Like they don't, they're, they're, the one produces the other. One is demonstrated by the other. He says, it's the same. And he, he presents this pretty logical argument. He says, look, at the end of the day, I can't see what your faith is in. I can't see your faith, but I can see how you live your life. So based on how you live your life, I can see what your faith is in. So he's saying, look, so if my faith is in my 401k, if it's in the government, if it's in a job that I'm trying to obtain, a title, if it's in a school that I'm trying to get into, if it's in a friendship or relationship that I have, that if my faith, or is it maybe in some cosmic karma, that whatever my faith is in, it is going to be demonstrated and it's going to work out of my life. He says, so, but if I have a faith in God, people around me won't need to know it. I won't even have to say it. They will simply see the way I live my life. And they'll go, wow, you're believing in something different than me. Then he goes on because there must have been some other common responses in the church that were saying, well, like, yeah, I mean, James, I believe, but nothing's changing. I mean, I believe in God. I believe he's up there. I believe, you know, he's some dude up in there, some randomly place that I don't know really know, but I believe. He says, no, listen, this way of living, it's not just about believing. And he uses a very extreme example. He says, look, demons believe in God, but it doesn't, they don't have faith in him because it doesn't produce good works in their lives. It doesn't change them. So he uses a different word, believe, than faith here. This believe is just simply saying, I believe that he exists. He says, but when you have a faith, and it goes beyond like, I just believe someone's out there. He said, but you have a faith that there is a God and he loves me and he has formed me. And there's a faith in Jesus Christ and he gave his life for me. And I'm going to fully put my trust and hope in him. That faith is living and active. It's saving. It's genuine. And it produces good works out of the inside of me. Right? <clears throat> They're meant to be integrated. They're meant to be the same. Faith. And works, faith, and deeds. Okay, so here's the, here, here it is. What, 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 are, what does works look like? Like, what do deeds look like? James, can you help me out, please? So he goes on in the rest of, the, of this section of Scripture, and he gives two examples. And he uses two examples that would have been uh, very common to a Jewish person. He talks about Abraham. He talks about Rahab. And, and they would have been, like, really famous and well-known people in the history of Israel. And so when we talk about it and we're going to read it, I'm going to try to give you a very Cliff Notes version of it uh, because some of us just don't know who they are. But we're going to see how his examples he's going to give is going to help us understand, okay, so what do good works look like in my life? So here we go. Picking up in verse 21. 
Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scriptures were fulfilled that said Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different directions? Two different examples, two extreme opposite types of people. Abraham, like the father of the nation, like a father of faith. He was Jewish. And then we've got Rahab, who was, you know, a prostitute. Thank you, James. We really had to rub that in her face. Okay, good. So she had a past and uh, she was a Gentile and she was a woman. Two different examples begins to break down when he says the word works and deeds. What does it mean? So Abraham, this father, we know as you begin to pick up on Abraham's story, which is found in the book of Genesis God calls Abraham and says, hey, I want you to go to another land and I'm going to be your God. And as you are, I'm going to take from your life is going to be a nation that I'm going to birth out of you. Which is really interesting for Abraham because he couldn't have children. Him and his wife, they tried for years and years. They could never have a child. And yet God is saying, hey, I want you to have faith in me. I want you to go out and leave what's normal, comfortable. I want you to follow me. And in that journey, I'm going to teach you how to depend on me. I'm going to teach you who I am. And at some point, you're going to have a son and you're going to have a nation. And for years and years and years, Abraham would follow God, follow God, and nothing happened about a kid. And eventually, they would get pregnant. In a moment where you thought it would be impossible for anyone to have a child. But that's what God does. So the Bible says actually he was accredited, his faith was accredited as righteousness when he was just simply following God when nothing was happening. But then there came a moment in the journey where his boy Isaac was there, and he named him Isaac, where God said, I want you to take Isaac, I want you to sacrifice him on the altar. And the Bible says that immediately God, uh, Abraham would respond, and he would take Isaac. And before he had the chance and he had him on the altar and he was about to sacrifice him, God stops him. Now, I don't have time to get into the layers of what all that means. It is a type and shadow of what we get to see what actually God did for humanity when he took his only son, Jesus Christ, and sacrificed him for you and me for us to know and have a relationship with him. But this is what it means about good works. Because Abraham was a father of faith. That there are some times in your life, if you truly have faith and believe in God, there are going to be moments and points in your journey with God where he's going to ask you to do something, and it might be a little bit hard to do. The good work sometimes is qualified as simply being a person who is open for God to instruct them on how to live their life. It may be to start something. It may be to stop doing something. It may start to be thinking this way. But there are moments that if you truly have faith in God, he's going to begin to speak to you about how you are to live your life. And why it may be hard is it may be because you never had someone model it in front of you. So you don't really know how to do it. It may be hard because you'll be the only one living this type of way. It may be hard because it is countercultural to what everybody else says you should do with your life. And yet God says, do this. And sometimes when my faith is in God, it produces in me an openness and a willing that God, if you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. But Mike, does God speak to me all the time? And God has already spoken to you. That's why it's so important for you to begin to really begin to learn how to read your Bible because there are things already in here that tell you how you're to treat your spouse, how you're to raise your kids, how you're to handle your money, how you're to treat people who think differently to you, how you're to treat people who, who think you're an enemy and attack you. It's in here. And a life of faith where good works is produced is a life that says I'm obedient to what God tells me to do even when it's difficult. I'm going to do it. 
The Bible actually says in the account of Abraham that God told him to do it, and it said the next day he did it. It wasn't like, well, let me pray about it. Let me think about it. Let me get a couple of confirmations here. No, he said, no, God told me to do something, and he did it. A life of faith that's living and active. It's a life that says, God, you've told me to do something, and I don't care if everybody else in the world says don't do it, I'm doing it. I don't care if it offends a million people, I'm doing it. I don't care if it's counterculture. And everybody says, what in the world are you doing with your life? God told me to do it. It's in my Bible. I read it. He put it in my heart. There's a conviction. And that faith that is alive and active automatically says, I'm wanting to do this right now. Let's go. And there have been moments where my wife and I, we've had to learn how to be obedient to what God tells us to do. Even when we thought, man, this is not really in the natural, probably the best move. I remember early on in COVID, we were, you know, we were walking through some stuff and we've been getting to pray, just like everybody. It's like my wife and I, when we go through something, how we pray together, that's what we do. And so as we began to pray, it was like, hey, money's a little tight, not as much coming in as, as we normally would. And, and, uh, but we prayed and we really felt like God was telling us, we want you to begin to free up some money so that you're gonna be give this amount of money away every pay to help somebody out. It wasn't much, but it was a lot for us. And in the natural, it's like, ah, I don't know. Like, probably should be saving my cash right now. It should probably be probably like guns and ammo or something. I don't really know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's a prophet in YouTube told me to do it, so I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I should buy gold. I, you know, God, I don't give it away, though. Like, yet I felt, we found a conviction. That's eh, scriptural. We can look in the Bible. I don't think the Bible says never give money away to help people. You know, I don't think that's in there. So we felt like there was a conviction that God, even though it's count, it doesn't make sense and it, it, it seems like I should not be giving money away, we were obedient to it. Because when life, when faith is active and obedient, it, it's obedient to what God says. That's good works. That's good deeds. Now, am I Mr. Perfect? Oh my God, no. I mean, are there times God told me to do something? I'm like, pass, you know. <laughs> eh. That was the devil. God, if you really, it's not really you. Tell Ford to tell me what, the same thing. And he asked me for Cheerios, so it must not have been from you, God. No, but here's what I've learned about walking with God, because there may be things in your life right now. Can I, let me just ask you this as an evaluation. Are there things that you feel like you've read or God's told you, you that you're not doing right now? Maybe you haven't been obedient yesterday, but be obedient today. Come on, be obedient today. Maybe you've turned your ear off to what God has said. Man, speak. Here's what I found about God. Many times, like, well, God hasn't spoken to me, but sometimes God doesn't tell you to do new things until you've acted upon the old things he's told you to do. You know? And I think sometimes we think, oh, if God would come at me with some, like, grandiose, like, ass, like, move to Africa, sell everything, we'd be like, yes, Lord, I'm going. But the reality is, man, if I can't do this part with my finance or treat a person this way, I would never be obedient to God telling me to do something major. So my faith's got to build on that. So be obedient to what God is telling you to do right now. Is it to treat a person differently? Is to uh, maybe you're, sometimes you're walking around and you feel like God's telling you, I want you to go pray for that person. You're like, are you serious right now? I'm not, don't think I'm crazy. No, no, be obedient. You take the invite card. God says, hey, I want you to invite this person. Be obedient, be obedient. It's a life of faith. It's active, it's living, it's genuine, and it produces good works. So then we go to Abraham, uh, Rahab. Rahab is this uh, young lady who is part of this in this area called Jericho. The children of Israel are about to conquer it. Uh, she is, you know, she's a prostitute, not the most, you know, awesome, and, you know, occupation. And uh, yet she has this interaction with some spies that are coming to check it out before they take over. And she says, you'll see it in the account. She says, hey, listen, I've heard of this God and what he does, and I believe in him. 
pretty much is what she says. And so what happens though is that the kingdom finds out that there's spies and they want to kill them. They're trying to find them. So Rahab sees a need and she just does what she can, which is what? She hides them. And the Bible says because she hid them, it's ended up saving her. And the funny thing about Rahab, she's actually in the lineage and the family of Jesus. Like if you did a 23andMe on Jesus, you're going to find Rahab there, right? So isn't it crazy no matter what, her, her life should speak to this as well for you and give you hope no matter what your past is when you believe and have faith in God, you're part of the family of God now, right? But that faith in her activated her doing what she could to help somebody out. And sometimes at the, at the, just the core and the foundation of good works that is produced by faith is a life that's just aware of needs around us. And if we can meet a need, we meet it. If we can help, we help. You know, James talks about it earlier. He says, how messed up is it if you see somebody who needs a coat or needs some food and you have extra and you're just like, hey, praying for your brother. Hashtag pray for the Roberts. You know, and you actually have an extra coat you could give them or some more food that you could help them out with. It says this good works produces that in you. Now, does, would God ever ask you to give something you don't have? No, he would not. He wouldn't ask you to charge on a credit card to put something on a credit card, that money you don't have to give away. God doesn't ask you to do that. Does God mean that you can't have fun with your money or enjoy your life? No, he's not asking you to do that either. So that everyone is simply all on the same, no. No, that's not what he's asking. He's simply saying that as you are living your life and there is margin to give or to do or whatever it is, and there is an opportunity and you see a need, sometimes you don't need to pray. Sometimes you just need to do. Because that faith that is active and living produces a good work that says, when I look around and I see a need, I'm just going to meet the need. I don't need to pray about it. Sometimes you're the answer to your prayer. You know, it's like someone's like, hey, man, you're just here. They're not trying to ask money for you. They're just talking about a struggle they're going through right now with maybe meeting some rent. You're like, oh, let me pray for you. And God's like, well, you got some extra money? It may not be all that they need, but it's some of it. Why don't you help them out? Like at camp, we got City Kids Camp. I just told you, hey, we need more counselors. I get it, man. Pray, oh, Lord, send the laborers to City Kids Camp. Send the young people, Lord, that have the energy for it. I will be in my prayer closet interceding for the young people. And God might say, well, you got a free morning? We love your prayers, but we could use your body, you know? <laughs> like to serve, you know? But that's what we're talking about, right? Like it's a faith that's just aware. I tell you, it's a beautiful thing about being a part of a local church is you're a part of a community where like, hey, sometimes you're the need, you have a need that gets met, but then sometimes you get to meet the need. And I'm grateful I've been a part of a times where my wife and I have been able to meet needs in people's lives. But man, I've been on the other side of it too. It's, it's just, it's a blessing from God. That I remember when we found out we were pregnant with our twin girls and uh, we had, you know, we already had our, our oldest and, and that means three car seats in a car and we had like an Accord and a Prius. And I'm like, they're not getting in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the Prius, were, it, was a, it was a lease anyways. And so it was like, we couldn't really afford like a three-seater vehicle and uh, we weren't sure what we were going to do so we just said well let's pray and we got nine months to figure it out it literally was one of the first things I thought about when I found out we were pregnant with twins I'm like we need a new car like it was like <laughs> first things I thought about so messed up but that's what I thought and and so we just said well let's just pray I don't know you know what I mean God's got to do something and then I remember getting a phone call from someone in the church and I didn't even tell them about what we need uh, but they had had just bought a new car and they had this car, it was a three-seater, like a three-row car. And uh, they're like, hey, uh, I heard, are you needing an extra car? I'm like, yeah, kind of. And he's like, well, we have this other one we bought, and we were going to sell it on Craigslist, but uh, we, we want to give it to you. He's like, would, would you want it? And I'm like, let me think about it. He's like, yeah, I'll take it. 
He's like, it's got 180,000 miles. I don't care what it has. Does that four wheels? Does it turn on? Like, I'm in. You know what I mean? But what a moment to be a part of a body of Christ that says, hey, like, hey, there's a need. We're going to meet that need, right? Come on. Can we have some Abrahams and some Rahabs in this house? Right? It just says, hey, look, I have a faith in God. And so because of that, I'm going to look around. God, what is it you need me to do? I'm going to be obedient. I'm willing. I'm open. Instruct me. And God, is there a need? Let me look around. Who needs something? Who needs help? If I hear of a story and I can help, I'm going to help them out. I'm going to do what I can with what I have. And that's act of faith. That's good works. That's good deeds that, that faith produces. James finishes this whole segment of scripture with this one last verse. James would have been killer on social media because he had a way of like, when he will make an argument throughout the book, you'll see he'll make this case and argument. And then he has like that one liner that's like postable. It's the drop the mic moment. It's like the one that you repost and hashtag, like it's perfect. So here's his like tweetable last moment in verse 26. He simply says, so as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. What's my faith? Is it alive? Or is it dead? My pulse check is, if it's producing good deeds, then my faith is alive. One last illustration, just a full circle of what we're talking about here. Uh, we live in Southern California. A lot of us, whether we own or rent homes, we generally have fruit, tr fruit trees right in our yards. I have the two most random fruit trees in our backyard. We have a nectarine tree that produces about 10 nectarines every year. And we have uh, a persimmon tree. I didn't even know what a persimmon was. I still haven't eaten one in four years. <laughs> We have those trees. The life of the tree is not in the fruit. The fruit does not give the tree life. The life of the tree is in the roots, in the ground, in the soil. And when it's in the soil, it provides life for the tree so that in season, it produces the fruit. It's a result of the life in the tree. James is saying that our, that our faith is not come alive because of what we produce, what we do. But when your life is rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, it is a life that follows him. It says, God, I'm open. I believe. I have faith. There is life in that. And the beautiful thing is this. Unlike a tree, that when you are connected to the kingdom of God, it produces, it produces life in every season. When times are good, when times are bad, when times are lean, when there's a lot. There are times where God is producing fruit. And as a result of the life that I have, the faith, it produces the fruit in my life that is the works and deeds that shows people, this is what I believe. This is who I believe in. And the Bible says that people, God will, people will see your good works and glorify your father that is in heaven. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So where's your faith at? Is it living? Is it active? Or is it dead? Again, if I have faith in God, this genuine, living, active faith, it will change the way I live my life. And if it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just simply means that your faith is lacking the dynamic and living quality it's meant to have. So what do we do? We bring it to the one who brings dead things back to life. So this morning, You've been following Jesus for a while. And why this message really is really for anybody? Because, man, if you're, the book of James is so good because if you've been following Jesus for a long time, man, James serves as like a mirror to really see, okay, is my life whole? In areas of like my anger, my words, my faith. Like, do what I believe and read about, is it matching the way I live my life? 
Those of you that are newer to the things of God, this, this series is, this is perfect for you because it's what, what a better way to learn from the beginning how life is meant to be lived. Sometimes growing up and following Jesus for a long time, we can develop bad habits and used to being able to live fractured lives, but really for you to lean and say, no, no, this is the way life is meant to be lived, following Jesus. There's a story, though. What do you do, though, right? Like, okay, I got dead faith. What's it look like? Because you can't bring your faith back to life. There's a story in the Bible, Mark chapter 9, a father brings his son to Jesus who needs healed. And Jesus, Jesus asks him the question. He says, would you believe I can heal him? And I love his response. It's so real and honest. He says, I believe, help me with my unbelief. So I, I believe, but I think we could say like this, I believe, but it's, it's dead faith, Jesus. So can you help me with the dead faith? And Jesus responds by healing his son. So you got dead faith. What do we do? In a moment, we're going to go back to worship. But could we maybe, uh, as just an act of faith, say, God, I have dead faith. It's been a while since I've listened and obeyed. Uh, I'm really, really inwardly focused in my life, but I feel challenged and I want my faith to be alive and active. Could you just simply bring your faith to God and allow him to bring it back to life? And then you leave this place different. You leave it seeing things different. You see the value in what your Bible says. You see the value in spending time with God because you see, you realize, man, it's a time for him to speak to you. You live with a different type of purpose and focus. And it's not about just you anymore, just obtaining and gathering and growing and getting, but it's about other people. It's a life of adventure. It's this life of excitement. It's this life where you step out in faith and you're not sure if it's gonna work out, but then God does what only God can do. And your faith builds and it builds and it grows. And you're obedient one time to give somebody a card that says, will you come to church with me? The next time you're obedient when God says to pray for a person and you never know one time, boom, they might get healed. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, this life of faith is exciting. It's not limiting. It's expanding. It's living. It's the way I was meant to live. You don't go home thinking, man, I'm a selfish person. Oh my God, look what God you did for me. Look how you used me today. That's the faith we're talking about. Would you stand with me this morning? I'd love to pray for you. If you, would, if you wouldn't mind, if you feel comfortable, if you would bow your head and close your eyes for me. And the reason why I do that, because, hey, there's always a moment where this is between you and God right now. This is not, this is between you and God. Before I pray for us, those of us that maybe whose faith is dead, I want to first offer an invitation for those who you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus. You know, this whole life begins, like I said, it's a, it's a gift. God says, look, I loved you before you were born. I, I knitted you, I formed you in your mother's room. I have plans for you. And I want you to know me, the sin is what separates us from God. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. This morning, though, I want you to know this is a gift we're talking about. This life is a life of grace. It's available to you right now. But now here's the thing. Will you believe? Will you have faith? 
Will you put your trust in Jesus Christ? And I want to give an opportunity right now for those of us, maybe you've never made a decision to fully put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you want to live this life. I pray if you were kind of newer here and you're not really sure about this whole God thing, I, I pray that I showed you a better way to live. And it's not just a better way to live because I think it's a better way because it's the way you were meant to live. It was the way you were created to live. It's the way you were intended to live. And right now, the way you begin this journey is you make a decision. Today, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you as an act of faith to say, listen, I am now going to put my faith in Jesus. And I want you to just simply raise your hand, not only so I can see it and just celebrate and know who I'm praying for, but also as an act of faith on your part. Because again, faith produces action. And God says that, hey, if you know me and you want to serve me, you will acknowledge me in front of people. So this is your first act of faith. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and say, I'm not just going to believe anymore. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to trust. I want my life to have good works. On the count of three, one, that's you. Two, I'm going to raise my hand because I believe and I have faith in Jesus Christ. Three, is there anybody here? Thank you so much, young man over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Come on. Keep your hand up. Come on. Thank you. Would you do me an honor? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And everybody here is going to pray it with us, and you need, you're going to pray. And there's nothing special about the prayer. I'm simply going to give you the words that you're feeling in your heart. But we're all going to do it together because I want you to understand that you're not in this alone. Like you're with, with a group of people that do life together, okay? So can we all pray this together? Bow our head, close your eyes. But if you raise your hand, here it is. Start something new in your life. The Bible says you were once dead, now you're alive. Say this after me. Say, thank you, God, for Jesus. I believe that he is your son. Father, forgive me of my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, one more time. Can we get up for those people that made a decision? Hey, online, if you made that decision, there's a link in the chat. Please click that. Let us know. But can I pray for you? Come on. How many of us, when we did some triage of our faith, she dead, she gone. But you know what? She's coming back to life. Can I pray for you as we go back into worship? God, right now, you are a God that brings dead things back to life. God, here is our faith. Help us with our unbelief. God, take our faith. God, I breathe. They come back to life right now in Jesus' name. God, let there be a faith. Let there be a stirring, a knowing, a conviction, Father God. I pray that in this room, there are Abrahams and Rahabs. There are men and women, young men, old women, young, uh, old men, young men, that Father would say, you know what? I'm making a decision now. I will be obedient to what you tell me to do, God. I will meet the needs that I see around us. And may we be a place, God, a church where the faith is active, it's living, where it produces good work. So I pray right now in Jesus' name, life resurrection power. Father, faith that has been dormant for years, come back to life in Jesus' name. Old mindsets, old lifestyles broken off of us in Jesus' name. God, help us live lives of faith so that people might see your good works and give glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.